Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. Jumps on it and a deep left to nothing. St. Louis, they strike in the first again. On 2 0, Edmund lifts it in the air. Deep right center, Kane back with the catch. Both runners tagging up, and here comes one, here comes another. How about that? Speed kills, two run score. And a curveball is. Popped up, left side, Arenado giving chase. Oh, what a play, Nolan Arenado! He holds on, went over the tarp, back to the infield, and a basket catch from Nolan. The 0-1 pitch. In the air, left side. Tyler O'Neill under it. Count him up. 11 straight for the St. Louis Cardinals and win number 82. Man, is this fun and everything was on display last night as to why this team is rolling with BK. I'm Danny Mack. So you had the defense. You got Arenado's play. You got athleticism and speed. Bader scoring from second base on a sack fly. You got great pitching from Miles Michaelis, who really looked good last night. And it was seven innings, two years to the day of his longest outing, the last time that he had an outing that gave you more than six innings, two years to the date. And then you had Tyler O'Neill, who might be the MVP of September. And that means something. because he deserves that means, MVP votes. Because that puts you into the postseason. And you're right. If you start looking at his advanced metrics and even some of the other metrics of home runs and slug, he's really good. You had Paul Goldschmidt. Hitting another bomb. I did call it, by the way, before it happened. And then you had Nolan Arenado was on base three times. So, I mean, everything that they're doing right now is going in the right direction. And you know what, BK? This team's good. This is a really good team. And uh, I can't believe that we would be saying that in June, which was awful. And July wasn't much better. It was better, but not great. June was historically bad, record-wise. Pitching wise, and when I'm saying historically bad, I mean historically bad. Yeah, like worst averages of the month, runs scored, ERA, wins. It was terrible. I used to come in here and just dread it. Go, oh, it's going to get lit up on the text line. People going to say, here comes this homer telling me that they're okay. What the text line being negative? I've never seen. Would it. never Good happen. Good call. Good call. Can't relate, Dan. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh. All right, well, we'll get through it. You know, you got to look at baseball, right? And that's I do try to take the long, very long view, pragmatic view of all teams, baseball at six months. Now, did I ever think I'd see this? Well, I try to be honest, too. Absolutely not. When this team lost five straight against Atlanta, Detroit, and Pittsburgh, I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be a really, really long year. And then you're thinking, like, how do you get it back on the rails oh, yeah. just to be competitive, hang around 500, make it somewhat interesting? And they, by the way, they were a boring team mm-hmm. a lot of times. And you're boring, and it's, it's – uh, 
what's a word that I want to say that you really don't want to watch? Not unwatchable, because I think people still love watching baseball, good or bad. I'm one of them. But man, under, just not entertaining. You were apathetic about it. Like it, you, there was just no, there was no emotion. There was no emotional investment from the fans. It didn't feel like there was. There was, but it didn't feel like watching it. There was emotional investment from the players because it was, it was lethargic. It was just that's sleepy a good way to baseball. Put it. Yes, sleepy baseball. That's a good way to put it. And BK, you went from also, which drives me crazy, you know, seven, eight, nine walks a game. That is not entertaining. It just isn't. And then for a while, it was kind of station to station because Bader was missing time and O'Neal would have a freak injury with a broken finger or a virus or something. And and it was just, eh. But now you got all these guys healthy and they're pitching lights out. And so the pitchers are saying, okay, we're going to throw strikes. Not that they weren't trying to before, but the personnel has changed. You got strike throwers. So what are you seeing? Defense on display. Now you got healthy guys in your lineup. What are you seeing? Athleticism, running, speed. Um, and then when you talk about the pitching, you've had Wayno from day one, pretty much. First month was okay, but then he's been lights out ever since. Your pitching has changed because you're throwing strikes. I, I it's this is a fun team now. Like when I'm watching this, this ain't boring baseball, and it's not not just because they're winning. That that is, if you're a Cardinal fan, hey, that's fun. But the manner in which they're doing it. It's fun, man. I know people are going to get on me because I'm comparing them to a Kansas City team. I get it. But, it, Dan, I mentioned this to you before the before that we started the show. It reminds me so much of watching the Royals in 2014. When they went on that run, that team through 98 games was 48 and 50. They were not a good baseball team. And then something clicked. And there was a chemistry between them. The, the offense started working. They started getting more active on the bases, the way that we've seen from this Cardinals team. Defensively, they had guys everywhere that were just at a minimum above average for oh, their yeah. position. Good team. They put pressure on opposing defenses. All of those things are the attributes that I would ascribe to this team as well. And I think that's what makes me most excited about what they can be moving forward, Dan, is... It's fun to watch this team. Yeah. And they they do things that put pressure on opposing offenses and on opposing defenses. They're scoring early now. That punch that Mike Schilt talked about in the first inning, Dan, they have that now. They are the best first inning team in baseball this month. If you're looking at what they're doing pitching-wise, it's completely changed because of the defense that they're using now behind them. They're putting them to work. I think, BK, they're this 40, is amazing. 40 games above 500 when they score first. And to your point, they are scoring in the first innings. Not just scoring first, but first innings. And think about that. Now, what does that do if you're Miles Michaelis? You go out, I got a, I got a lead right now. I'm feeling pretty good. Might as well pound the strike zone. Pound the strike zone. He's right. And that that's what is happening. Now, that shouldn't change your approach, whether you're up by 10, down by 10. You want to be aggressive and pound the strike zone. But it does make, uh, it does have a factor, in, and it makes a difference. Uh, the word that uh, the 636 says, or is it the, no, no, okay, 390. I use the word painful, now compelling. I think that's a good way to put it. At times, it was painful. When you were watching John Gant walk the ballpark, that was tough to watch. And that was really hard to watch at times. Now, he was getting away with it, and we both said, though, at, at the time, the averages are what they are, and it's going to come back and bite you. And it did. That was hard to watch. Your bullpen, walking guys, hard to watch. But with that, you've had now roles reversed. So Reyes is out of closing games. 
and now you're using him in higher leverage situations to bridge the gap. So what does that mean going forward? You could really shorten games now with Alex Reyes and with Cody Whitley. McFarland, Garcia. Uh, I love it when I can watch Genesis Cabrera get a little break because then he comes in throwing 99 (laughs) and he's throwing strikes. And Gallegos has been really good as the closer. So it's just totally changed the entire outlook of this season. And, man, is it fun. It's just fun to come in and talk baseball where the team is playing compelling baseball but fun baseball, too. And the storylines just keep happening, Dan. So today you've got Adam Wainwright going for the 12th straight win for the Cardinals. How about them getting 12 straight in the year that they would like to get 12 and 21? That'd be pretty cool. That's a little symbolic right there. And then tomorrow, if that wasn't enough for you, tomorrow you've got Jack Flaherty starting game two. Very likely. It sounds like that's going to be the case for the Cardinals going up in Chicago. And he's going to start probably go one, maybe, maybe two innings. And then it, my guess would be, and this is an assumption by me, I bet you Dakota Hudson's going to back him up and he'll be a piggyback situation between the two of them for that doubleheader. Getting those two guys back, yeah. adding them potentially to this bullpen, oh boy, that is nasty. What they're poten- You could have eight guys in your bullpen that you trust going to at any given situation. You trust going to them. That is, that is scary. Any other team would not want to play the Cardinals right now. Maybe we should have seen this earlier in the year. You know, at one point, they had the best record in the uh, in the league. And then all the injuries happened. And now they've gotten back. Now, there's been a lot of changes with this club to get them back. So by no means am I saying that was the team early, and now here, it, here they are, and they're just healthy. Now, now, there's a lot of changes. Roles have changed. Some of the guys that were there at the beginning are no longer here. But I, get, I think to the bigger point, the the core of it, the nucleus of it, BK, was here. And maybe we should have given them more credit to being a team that can bounce back and be this type of team. But they didn't show it, you know, that you got to earn it, too. And they didn't. Now, you hit on something and hopefully that made sense what I was trying to say there. It it does. And I so back in I'm trying to see what the date was. May 22nd, I placed a bet on them to win the World Series. So I I believed (laughs) I was in Um, and then I was terrified because a month later, I was the reason why you had that terrible June. So I apologize sincerely to all of you. Yeah, Yeah, that's on me. Um, But you take a lot of heat on these things, man. That's fair. Um, Classic BKO. This is what I'm here for. I can be your punching bag. So that way you've got somebody to blame. Happy to play the role. Um, But if you didn't have June, I don't know that this would feel as sweet as it does right now. Probably not. This feels better in part because you went through all of that with this team. So when you made that bet on May 22nd, Jack Flaherty was still in your rotation. Correct. And Alex Reyes was dominating in the back end of games. And you know what I mean? The big three was winning you games. Um, And Nolan Arnato was on a tear really at that point in time in the season too. Goldie was just Just starting to turn around and get it going, and he hasn't stopped. He really literally has not stopped hitting basically from about, I would say, June, middle of June, something like that. He's been really good. So I can understand why you're there, but now you you fast forward to what we have now. It's just different. I mean, the personnel are different. It's a different team. The way they're playing is different. The... The look of the team, the confidence, the mannerisms, the defense, everything. It's just a different team. Now, let's talk a little bit about the two guys that, and I'm with you. I I would imagine that we see Dakota Hudson tomorrow. I'm going to take a guess. I don't know that. We know Flaherty's going to start in game two. How many pitches does he get? I don't know, 15, 20, 25. We'll see. But we'll see. Um, 
it's interesting how you do this with those guys because one's coming off of Tommy John and has not appeared in a major league game. There's a lot wrapped up in those two guys going forward. So, yes, do you want to win the now? Absolutely. But I'm also looking at years of control with these guys going forward where they they could be the anchor of your rotation. So you got to be careful. And you know he's going to be geeked up going back out there. Both guys probably. Flaherty in a pennant race now. Last time he was pitching, they were not. I mean, they were just kind of hanging around. And for Hudson, it's been a long time. So you, you got to be careful. But if everything works out, What's the next step for Flaherty? Like, where do you put him? You know what I mean? As a starter, there's a routine to get ready, and you want to be careful with a guy. It's got to be a clean inning if he's going to be in your Mm -hmm. bullpen, and it's got to give him time to get loose and get ready. And maybe we're making too much of it, but that is the case with a lot of starters. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to see the way that they decide to go with this, Dan. There's just not a lot of – I mean, maybe there is, and I haven't researched it enough yet because I wasn't convinced that they were going to bring him back, to be totally honest with you. So I I kind of put it off and put it off and put it off. I'll be honest with you. Here's my gut. This is my – no one has said anything to me about this. If they're not in this spot, I think we're, we're talking about Jack Flaherty in spring training in 2022. Now, he may have been pushing to say, hey, I, I want to pitch because I want to go into the offseason knowing I'm healthy. Fully understand that. That's what Dakota Hudson wants. He wants to be in a big league game and show that he's healthy and have that under his belt going into a, a normal offseason. But I'm with you, BK. I, if, if you were, let's say, three games out, four games out right now, like some of the other teams, five for sure, with 12 to go or whatever it is, 11 to go. I, I'm not sure you bring him back. Why push it? Yeah, for sure. And so I, I don't, I can't think immediately off the top of my head. What's the comp for what the Cardinals are trying to do with legitimately the guy that they came into the season expecting to be their ace. And now he's going to be a one inning, potentially maybe two uh, high leverage spot reliever in the playoffs. I'm sure there's one that immediately comes to mind for some of our audience, but for me, I'm drawing a blank on who that guy would be. That's the comp for him in recent years. I mean, Wayno did that, but he was a prospect that was coming up. It's a little different in terms of him coming up and being the guy that was expected to be the starter, the number one starter for a team coming into the year. Is there anybody that comes to mind for you that's done that in recent years? I I wonder going forward, do you say it's a uh, Flaherty Hudson day? You know what I mean? Like next week, do they get a start and it's Flaherty Hudson? And That's you know, what Tanner's been saying they should do for a while. Now, once you go into postseason, your roster's got to get cut. So you got to make decisions on what you want to do in your bullpen. So that would complicate that a little bit. And I think they feel very comfortable with Hudson coming out of the pen because he's done it before, before he was in the rotation. And he's the ground ball pitcher that yeah. can come in, get you a double, double play. play. Like he, he's TJ McFarlane, right. but you can use him earlier and maybe for longer. Boy, those are really good problems to have. Absolutely. But going forward, you know, we'll see. And by the way, the, uh, the team record for wins consecutively for the Cardinals was in 1934, 35, something like that. Does that sound right? Yeah, it was. I, in the, I, mean, I think I, it was thirty. I thought it was thirty-two. Yeah. But. Okay, so fourteen wins though is the record. If you win today, you're at twelve with a doubleheader tomorrow. You had a chance to set the record in a doubleheader tomorrow. Seven inning doubleheader, you had a chance to go to fourteen straight. Now putting the cart before the horse, you got a tough matchup today with Adrian Hauser, who was awesome against the Cardinals last time he pitched, but. On the flip side of watching that game last night, if I'm Craig Council, I am a little concerned about that game last night. Brett Anderson was awful. I bet we don't see him pitch again for the Milwaukee Brewers. He was terrible. 
But there was an error behind him. There was another error behind him. There was a ball that should have been caught that wasn't ruled an error. There was two wild pitches. You had Lorenzo Kane not running hard to second base on a force play. Now, again, he would have been out, but it, it, he was walking. I mean, at least just jog it, run it out. I, those are the little things that if I'm managing, I pick up, and I'm trying to nip that in the bud today. Now, am I going in and flipping the spread and going nuts? No, these these guys have gotten me in a position to win the Central Division. I'm not doing that. But there is something to the fact that you got to get the edge back. And since they had that combined no-hitter, they've dropped, I think, six of eight. And they have, but and, and in this series, man, they have not looked good at offensively. What is it, a total of 11 hits, something like that, the three games? It's funny, Dan, that there's something that's happening right now in the National League. So right now it's the Brewers. Last week it was the Padres. Before that it was the Mets. And then before that yeah. it, was, it was the Reds. There's a theme here. There's some National League contenders that seem to be going through some dry spells of late. And I can't put my finger that on exactly. That would be against the Cardinals. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. It's weird. It's almost like when these teams are playing the Cardinals, suddenly they don't look quite as good as they do when they're playing other teams. It's I, amazing. I can't describe it. I can't explain it for you, but that just seems to be what I'm picking up on. And the beauty of the wild card, if you're that team, you're essentially playing playoff baseball in September. Cardinals have been doing that, man, and they're playing with an edge. So we'll see what happens today, and it's Wayno going for strikeout uh, number 2,000. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. playing career this guy has been all over the place he's busy former cardinal first baseman slugger xavier scruggs and right now he's a diversity equity inclusion consultant for the cardinals he's got a podcast you can see him on tv you hear him on mlb network radio and most importantly he's celebrating a birthday today xavier dan mclaughlin with uh, brandon Kylie. happy birthday to you how you doing hey thank you guys very much appreciate you Danny Mack and BK, appreciate um, jumping on here, man. Good to hear from you guys. You too. Uh, congratulations on the job with the Cardinals, first and foremost. So tell us a little bit about that role and, and what you're trying to do. Yeah, man, the job has been amazing. Uh, basically, I've gotten to be, you know, Moe's right-hand man when it comes to Mosellac um, and be able to give back everything that I learned in this game, mostly having to do with player platforms, um, how to use those platforms, how to understand that what you put out there. Uh-oh. Um, so for me to have the opportunity to be a resource to major league, minor league coaches, players, has been a opportunity. Hmm. I think we're going to try to get Xavier Scruggs on a better connection here. We'll we'll try to reconnect with him here in just a second. We'll get Tanner to give him a call back. What he's doing, Dan, with the Cardinals is something that's a worthwhile cause, and I'm Absolutely. glad to see the Cardinals decided to go this direction with somebody who knows the organization, has a history here in St. Louis, has a good relationship with a lot of their players. So it's cool to see them uh, reaching out like this to a, a former player. You see this a lot with the Cardinals, with the Blues. It's one thing that's unique in this town is a lot of the guys that had played here previously are able to reach back and uh, help some of the current players with things that maybe weren't there for them when they were playing. Also, social media has become such a, a huge aspect of what the younger generation of players are dealing with. And even when Xavier first started playing in uh, Major League Baseball or Pro Bowl, that wasn't there. Yep. You, didn't, you know, no Twitter. There was no 
Instagram and those kind of things. And uh, Mr. Scruggs is back with us. Sorry, Xavier. Um, we're back connected with you, but you were talking about the role with the team and maybe we'll, we'll start back with that again. Yeah, it's just been an amazing opportunity to uh, visit with uh, all the people in the organization and just be able to have players, coaches, staff understand that they have a platform representing themselves and the Cardinals organization and how to be smart about using those platforms, whether it be on social media, whether it be in the community. Um, And there's so many things that we can do to bring positivity to diversity and inclusion. A lot of times, We look at it as a negative thing and a negative connotation, but if we're able to bring the positive things that the Cardinals organization is doing, other organizations will be able to follow suit. Um, It becomes that much better for players, coaches, and staff and people in the organization to feel like they can succeed. Um, And that's the biggest thing, making sure everybody feels like they have an opportunity to succeed and feel like they have a voice Um, and just be able to feel like impact. It's been an amazing opportunity, and I'm I'm blessed to have uh, basically been Jose Lack's right hand man when it comes to this. Xavier, this is a hell of a time to be within that organization with the way that things have gone in the month of September. I know you tweeted out the other day, how did the Cardinals go from a 1% chance to making the playoffs and now they have over a 70% chance? Well, as of today, it's above 90% that they're at. Uh, What's it been like to follow this run as part of the organization the way that we are on the outside looking in? It's really been amazing to see, and I think one of the biggest things is to see how this team has just stayed the course, right? There was a there was a time when we people were not even considering the Cardinals for a playoff opportunity, and you think about, honestly, I think should be somebody that's considered for manager of the, the way that they, they've been able to turn things completely around. You're talking about a complete 180 from starting pitching to relief pitching to, um, to uh, defense, the way the guys have been swinging the bats as of lately. So it's just been impressive to see that the way that they've been able to make that turnaround. And really it starts with the starting pitching. You think about what Adam Wainwright has done this year um, to be the ace of this staff, right? We, we expected Jack Flaherty to be that. Injuries came along. Injuries came along to Nicholas, came along to uh, Carlos Martinez, basically everybody in the rotation. And Adam Wainwright has taken that role as he was 25 years old. He's turned the clock and it starts with him and then you think about adding the trade acquisitions in in a in a half and then a Lester and what those guys have been able to do from filling innings and being able to do it well and consistently everybody looked at those trade acquisitions like Hmm. and it's it's been an opportunity for the Cardinals to to take off and be able to stand their ground and everything else into place I am curious, going back to what you're doing with the club. Um, so you said a, a chance to promote the positive things that the club is doing and what individuals are doing. So you you sit down player X, and what do you say to that player? So you're going to have that conversation about what they can do, and they're active on social media, let's say. What, what do you do? What do you say to that kid? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is asking them, what type of impact do you want to game? can be this as well. I, I try to get guys to understand small amount of time in this game and being smart about the way that you use the relationships around you, the community that you have. Think about, I, I thought about personally as a Cardinals player, like you have one of the best, if not the best fan base in the nation. 
And to be able to use that in a positive way that helps you while you're playing in the game and while you're outside of the game. So I think bringing light to that positivity is extremely important and being able to understand, okay, if, if, if that means impacting my family, if that means impacting the community that I'm around and understanding it's not just one community and a location. No, you, uh, you're able to impact multiple communities around you and around wherever you play, wherever you go. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things for me to get across to players is use this time wisely and be smart about those relationships that you have. Be smart about understanding that people come from different backgrounds and different experiences and understand that that's what helps build a team. That's what helps build a community. So all of those things that I was able to be taught during my time while playing, mostly by mentors and, and by my parents, um, and understanding that this game is not just about me. It's about so many other people that are surrounded with me. And once we start to realize that, that's when we can take off on, on the field as well. You notice the best players on the field are the least selfish. And, and I think of a Yadier Molina. I think of Adam Wainwright. And to get guys to understand those things, that helps the team aspect in general and ultimately the organization. Have have people been pretty receptive of this stu- this stuff, Xavier? Have you had pretty good conversations with some of the current players on the Cardinals? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think one of the the bane from the beginning, uh, Jack Flaherty, uh, somebody that was open enough to sit down and talk with me about a lot of the stuff that happened um, in, in 2020. And I think that was something that helped stem um, my passion about being able to be available for this. It goes back to um, 2020 and and seeing politic issues, seeing coronavirus take place, seeing um, everything as far as uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. I wanted to get involved and say, how can I uh, shed a positive light on these things for an organization? And I wasn't necessarily thinking about the Cardinals organization, but I was thinking, how important would it be to, for me to be able to go back to an organization that built me up from a young man, uh, a youth in my youth to a young man, and then be able to affect and be able to bring that same impact to players in that organization and being able to sit down with guys like a Jack Flaherty and say, Hey, these are what, this is the thing that you went through last year. Let's think about how to bring that to maturity, how to bring that maturity into it and see how, what you say on social media and see what you put out there affects not only you as a person, but it affects the people around you. It affects an organization. And how can we be smart about that? How can we continue? How can you continue to use your voice, but do it in a way that is a positive representation of who you are as a person and, and who you are in the organization? How did this all come about for you? Did you reach out to the Cardinals or vice versa? Was it a casual meeting? How did it all uh, happen for you? Yeah, honestly, it's funny that the Cardinals are playing the Brewers. The Brewers reached out to me for this position, and it was something that I didn't necessarily uh, under—I didn't understand the time commitment from the from the Brewers. So I said, you know what? Let me go to the Cardinals and see if there's a diversity and inclusion position that they have, and. Who, who, I think who better than somebody that's played the game, somebody who went back to school to study these types of things. That was something I did in 2020 as well to be able to bring this to, to the Cardinals. And so I went straight to John Booch. Um, John Booch said, hey, Cardinals are cutting back jobs. We're not looking at anybody else. He said, I'll pass along to Mo. And luckily me and Mo were able to have a lot of conversation about what has been happening in our game and how the Cardinals can be at the forefront. The Cardinals can be at the face 
of making the right changes when it comes to diversity and inclusion and not just checking off the box. We're talking to Xavier Scruggs here on 101 ESPN for another few minutes. Xavier, I did want to get a couple more thoughts from you on this Cardinals team and what's been able to to kind of turn around for them in the month of September. I really wanted to ask you about Tyler O'Neill because you've been a young player in this game. You know how difficult it is to be able to catch on and then really be able to find yourself in it. Uh, what's impressed you most about the way that Tyler O'Neill has been able to not just find himself in this game, but uh, become a borderline MVP candidate in his 2021 campaign? Yeah, you, you said it. He's been one of the top players in the MLB this season. Um, whether or not people have taken notice, he is that right now. And I feel like the biggest thing is the improvement, right? The improvement and the ability to make adjustments. Now we see this guy, I, I, you know, you see the, the homers, right? The slugging, the OPS, whatever it's way up there. But for me, it's the ability to make the adjustments in, in the at bat. Like last night, for example, uh, two, two against Anderson, he recognizes a pitch up in the zone, a slider up, and he's able to smash that ball. He's recognizing pitches that are mistakes much better this year and barreling them up. His barrel percentage up 9.5 points compared to last year. Hard hit percentage up almost 15 points compared to last year. Sweet spot percentage. So all those numbers just mean, hey, this guy now is recognizing pitches earlier. He's understanding which ones are mistakes and getting his best swing off, but then he's making better contact. He's not hitting the ball, getting jammed as much. He's not hitting it off the off the end. He's making better barrel barrel. He's barreling balls up much better, and it comes from recognizing what I did last year, what changes do I need to make, and how do I apply that to the game. And I spoke to Jeff Albert, hitting coach, a couple of days ago, and I said, "Hey, what's what's one of the biggest things with Tyler O'Neill? Like, what what's the changes mentally?" And he said, "This guy is." The way he prepares is unbelievable. He's he's now preparing at, for this game as if he's a, a major league all-star. He knows what he needs to be studying. He prepares for the details. And all those details that Jeff Albert talked to me about, it reminded me of when I was in that locker room, what I saw from a Yadier Molina. Looking at stuff that you may not even think about as a player, he's focused on that stuff now, much better prepared, and now we see the results. My final question for you, uh, speaking of preparation, it's uh, Bueno going for strikeout number 2,000 today. He's had a remarkable season. He's 40 years old. You played with him. How is he able to do it? What, what do you see this year that's made Bueno so successful? Man, you're talking about these, someone has seriously turned back the clock, man. He, the biggest thing with Bueno is this is a guy, we've seen it for so long, he's going to figure out how to get himself better, right? He, at the age of 40, figuring out, okay, what do I need to do to still compete with these younger 20-some-year-old guys? And the biggest thing he's done is he knows how to use his sinker better. This is a pitch that was getting smashed, quite honestly, in 2019, a uh, slugging percentage against 535 in 2024, 15. So guys were hitting his sinker that much more. This year, the slugging percentage is down to 220. Hitters are not get hitting it, but the reason why is because he knows how to set guys up better this year with it. He knows the curveball is elite. Everybody knows that that pitch is elite. Now he knows how to use the sinker to both sides of the plate and knows when to use it early in the count and late in the count to put hitters away. And I think that's one of the, been the been one of the coolest things to watch about him is the, the way he's almost reinvented himself this year 
with the same pitches that he already has. It's not somebody that's went out there and start throwing a knuckleball, start throwing a split finger. No, he's using the same pitches, but he's being smarter about it in certain counts, and he knows how to hit. He knows how to set hitters up, and he's continuing to figure out how to get better. I could talk to you all day with your passion that you bring to uh, interviews and your job and your life. It's always fun to catch up with uh, Xavier Scruggs, and uh, best of luck with what you're doing with the Cardinals. And again, happy birthday, and thanks for hopping on. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. You too. That's uh, Xavier Scruggs. That was fun. Um, he mentioned something with Tyler O'Neill in the conversation that he had with Jeff Albert. want to do this real, real quickly. Please. But Stubby Clapp had told me, he said, when I was managing, and I've told you this, he said, when I was managing Tyler O'Neill, he said, we saw a gold glove player and one of the best players in the league. And I said, man, this is a couple of years ago. I said, I, I just don't see it here. You know, is he he's overmatched or what's going on? He said, he's not comfortable. And what I'm seeing now is a guy that believes in himself. And that's a lot of this. You're not going to find that on the paper. You're not going to find that uh, in the spreadsheets of analytics. It's a lot of times between the years. And do I belong? Am I good enough? Am I comfortable? Confidence. And I I think we're seeing that. The other thing I want to tell you is that um, this is pretty interesting. So the Cardinals defense, and we've been talking a lot about that, during this 11-game winning streak, There is a thing out there, speaking of analytics and advanced metrics, called non-routine play percentage. And that basically is any defensive play rated as uh, even or unlikely, remote chance of being made. The Cardinals during the 11 games have 38% of the, the plays that they've had have been that. That's incredible. That is incredible. They've had 12 plays, 40% in that regard. That means that you're playing elite defense. Yeah, normally those are like 0 to 15% type of plays. Yes. And if you're making, what you said, 40%? It's technically 37.3%. I mean, that's unbelievable. You're you're outperforming those expectations by like two to three times what you should be doing. And that's the thing, Dan. This defense right now, it it's going both ways for them. So defensively, they're putting pressure on the opposing offense because it is so demoralizing when the the opposing offense gets up there as what against 90% of the league yeah. would be a hit or maybe an extra base hit. And against the Cardinals, it's sending in and out. And then when the Cardinals are on offense, it's a routine ground ball to second. But because Edmundo Sosa is flying down the first baseline, they throw it's an errant throw and now suddenly he's at second base because you just had an error on what should have been an easy ground ball out they put so much pressure on you to be right a hundred percent of the time and the cardinals are more often than not on these teams they're going up against or not back to more of the danny mac show with bk on 101 espn in the air. Deep right center came back with the catch. Both runners tagging up and here comes one. Here comes another. How about that? Speed kills. And the curveball is popped up left side. Arenado giving chase. Oh, what a play. Nolan Arenado. He holds on. Went over the tarp. And goalie hits it out to told you he was doing that baby is number 27 as he launched it out to left the 0-1 pitch Tyler O'Neill under it count him 
11 straight for the St. Louis Cardinals and win number 82. They're 82 and 69 and looking for a sweep behind Wayno tomorrow. So what happens today? Adam Wainwright tries to make it 12 in a row for the St. Louis Cardinals. It'll be day baseball. It's the Brewers and the Cardinals, and uh, Cardinals also looking for a sweep. What do you think today? What do you got? I've got them winning. It's Wayno it's on the mound, Dan, so yeah, I don't day. know how I could possibly expect anything different. I do think that it's going to be a bit of a struggle to get offense going against Hauser. Last time that he was out there against oh, the he Cardinals, awesome. he was amazing. So uh, runs are going to come at a premium. He has gone 14 innings against the Cardinals so far this year. He has allowed zero earned runs against the Cardinals this year. It's going to be tough to scratch across runs, and I would imagine it's going to be maybe not a getaway day lineup, but something resembling that, especially with Arenado's back yesterday. I, I would think that he's probably going to get the day off today. I don't um, know, man. I, I think they're I, – I can see exactly what you're saying, but I also could see – them saying, nah, we're putting pedal to the metal sure. and we're going full force. If he so feels we'll see. fine this morning, I've got no problem throwing him back out there. But my assumption would be if there's any soreness there, they just kind of take it easy and he gets out there again tomorrow when they've got the double header. Sure. Um, so I I would imagine he might be out. But regardless, with Wayno on the mound, you've got to feel good about the Cardinals' chances. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.